Right, J Crypto here once again, and today I got a super cool video for all of you that want to get into NFT investing. Now, NFT investing is probably the number one passion of mine currently. It brought me into play to earn games, and it's funny because I got I got probably about four, five, four, probably four projects we're going to talk about today. Give you an overview on. Before we do that, let's talk about NFT investing. So I'm going to mostly be doing play to earn games today in this review. However, this is like some really boiled down thoughts I've had out of all the NFT projects that I've been in and kind of my thoughts on play to earn games moving forward. So play to earn games have exploded lately utilizing blockchain and NFT play to earn games have managed to merge gaming with transferring value and digital ownership to allow P2E games to pop. Before P2E games exploded, the same thing happened to DeFi. However, I'm seeing similar trends. All right, so first off, games can do basically three things to, and I know my spelling, you know, I, I just wrote this up real quick as a draft, so I know my spelling, listen guys, when you have ADHD like I do, you, you type way too quick to spell correctly. So there's three different avenues I'm seeing games, you know, kind of pivot from the traditional gaming model. So the first avenue is games are cutting costs to get more players. We saw this with Crypto Blades when a character costed five skill. And now in order to cut the cost, they reduced it down to however much skill it is, whether it's 0.5 skill or 0.05 skill. I believe it depends on the algorithm. For their case, games can keep costs the same. So this is one model that I do believe will work. And I think a lot of gamers don't really understand all the time that when it comes to DeFi, when it comes to investing, when it comes to transferring value over the blockchain, yes, gaming is going to be important for sure. But at the current stages, the projects that are going to get mainstream adoption are the ones that are going to ensure their investors are you know safe like like for example if it costs three dpet to buy an egg or a dpet egg investors of dpet token and investors of the eggs want to know will this ever get cut will it cost one dpet to buy an egg if dpet keeps going up because that's going to make all my dragons only one third of the value that they're currently at so next up, we have games make lower tier weapons and items. I think this strategy can work for games that are worried about cutting users off because of high expenses. However, I definitely encourage them to be very careful because if their token, if their ecosystem does really well and the supply stays limited or through burns, it becomes even deflationary or at least similar to what its you know base supply is, then that means that these lower tier weapons and items are going to go pretty much, you know, up in value with the token. So for example, if you're using Crypto Blades, Crypto Blades native token, it's skill, okay? If you're using skill to buy lower tier items and weapons, well, as skills price increases, then so will the lower tier weapons and items. Therefore, Companies will face a problem of continually having to provide a lower and cheaper tier weapon or item with less and less value in the game. 
making the cost of entry similar to just keeping the initial cost of entry the same, where basically you're going to be giving people such low ranking weapons and items just for the very, you know, poorest or cheapest of investors, like, you know, kids my age and things of that nature, <laughs> that, um, or, you know, people are just not going to be able to, like, if I was starting out investing, right, and I was, and I was of the poorest or cheapest demographic in a play to earn game, then it would give me a very limited shot at getting anywhere without money. So there's this there's this thing happening where like play to earn games and I'm going to go over a few like Zoo and you know like I mentioned Mighty 5 Pad or Crypto Blades in a minute here they're facing this issue of okay are we going to be a pay to play to earn game or are we going to how can we create a true dynamic of being um play to earn right because even if you wanted to be the best at Pokemon, you still have to buy the game Pokemon. Whereas where you're o where you're openly transacting value on the blockchain, you sh you're not having to buy that initial game, right? So as NFT investors, what you want PDE is for your NFTs to grow in value. This is something that anybody getting into play to earn games to make money should really, really think about. You want, if you're an NFT investor and you're playing in an NFT play to earn game, then what's important is that your NFTs grow in value. So here are some, some elements that I look at that uh, will ensure that your NFT, you know, is in a criteria that, you know, it's going to grow, grow in value over time. Number one, strong fundamentals of whatever the underlying token is and the tokenomics of that coin, if you will. So for example, we have my DeFi pet or Axie Infinity. Okay. So my DeFi pet runs on DPET. Axie Infinity runs on AXS. So basically guys, why this is important. Okay. I was looking up something earlier. Why this is important is because it costs three DPET to get one deep my DeFi pet. And Basically, what that means is that, number one, your pet is basically worth 3D pet as like a very base, okay? Now, if your pet is rare, maybe it goes up in value. If your pet is extremely unrare and the traits are extremely common, well, then maybe it goes below 3D pet if you try to sell it on the open marketplace, okay? Does that make sense? So, it's important to have strong tokenomics as well behind the DPET token because it's only worth as much as 3DPET currently. So if the DPET token has terrible tokenomics and it can be like a pump and dump or a scam or somebody owns a huge amount of the supply, well then you need to be careful because if that NFT is inherently intrinsically related to the underlying asset of the platform, then you also need to know the tokenomics of the underlying token to, to really be an NFT investor. So let's move on. Another thing that will, here are some elements that will make an NFT grow in value. Another thing is yield generating that will grow over time with the platform's growth or NFT's growth. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Number one is Bunny Park share cards. So basically as the you know price of Bunny Park goes up, 
you're earning more yield because it's going to give you a consistent return of the overall input in yield from mining BP tokens. Okay. So why I'm saying this is because if the platform of Bunny Park grows, then basically the and the token goes up in value, then now your NFT is yielding more, therefore it's intrinsically more valuable. Okay. The other example is Crypto Blades. Now, Crypto Blades is in a very, I believe, you know, I might get some comments, vice versa, people that don't believe it or do believe it. But I'm noticing, guys, I feel very uneasy when I think about Crypto Blades position because I think they're setting themselves up for a little bit of confusion with their investors. And I think they're figuring it out. They're trying to navigate, but I don't really believe that there's a proven model. And they've done some things that I've seen a little bit, um, I guess, worrisome for me from like an NFT game. And I think they've recognized it. And that's why I'm still bullish and I still put them in my NFT videos. But for this point, I am going to say that what Crypto Blades does is they allow you to earn more yield as you level up your character. Okay, so you should be earning more yield as you level up your character. However, those that got early into Crypto Blades obviously earned the most yield. But, um, and I'm going to talk about what things worry me about Crypto Blades in a minute. But basically, something that will make your NFT more profitable is if the level of your NFT can change. If as it goes up, it becomes more profitable. Okay, the third thing is authenticity. Of course, you want to make sure that it's definitely an NFT from the proper platform. You want to try to buy it on the platform's marketplace if they have one. Or if not, just do your due diligence. Definitely don't want to be scammed into thinking you're buying something. And then it's not that. Another thing is uniqueness. So this is important to me because you need to understand the level of uniqueness of your NFT. And I'll get to that in a second or intrinsic collector value, limited supply maybe, with similar or same value. So there could be multiple NFTs, like Gary V, v friends, let's say. So maybe he has like four different, maybe he has a panda, maybe he has, you know, a bunny, or I don't know his NFTs well enough to really give you some good examples. But let's say that there is, or his gift goats. Okay, so there's two things I can do for V friends. Number one, do his gift goats have a limited supply? Yes, they do. Okay, let's say that there's 400 gift goats. With each gift goat, you're getting four different presents a year, gifts a year, I believe for three years. So basically the deal is that if he can make the value of the first gift more valuable than the actual buy-in price of the gift goats, then those NFTs will go way up in value, okay? So there's only 400 of them, so the limited supply there. Now the next one, let's say that he has a gorilla, a bunny, and a, I don't know, a tiger. And they all give the same value because they're all hollows. So let's say that those not only give you a ticket to the VCon, not only give you, I don't know, some sort of um, experience, right? But like the same kind of experience. So for example... Maybe it's to play tennis with Gary V for an hour once a year. So if three different NFTs that are different, so one of them's a tiger, one of them's a bunny, one of them's a gorilla, give you the experience to see Gary Vaynerchuk and literally play tennis with him. And if you don't know who Gary V is, he's very popular. So it's quite uh, easy to see why somebody who's very popular and a celebrity 
would be able to sell NFTs that give somebody an hour of time with them. Now, if the actual value proposition of that NFT is to give you an hour of time with Gary Vee while playing tennis, and there's only three of them, then that's a limited supply of NFTs because number one, the gorilla, maybe there's only five gorillas, and this is the only gorilla that gives you the hour of tennis because it's a hollow. But number two, there's only three other hollow NFTs that give somebody an hour with Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. So here are some projects that I want you guys to look at if you're newer to NFTs because they all have very different tokenomics. And it's important when you're an NFT investor to understand each project. So the first project is Zoo. Okay. So I'm just going to run through. Then we have My DeFi Pet and Axie Infinity. Okay. Next up we have uh, Bunny Park. Okay. And another one I wanted to put on your radar was Yushi. A little bit different than Bunny Park, but definitely, or a lot different, I should say, but definitely in the ballpark. And then we have Crypto Blades, all right? So Zoo, let's start with Zoo. So Zoo is a token that is mined and given to stakers of Zoo NFTs, okay? So you get Zoo by staking your NFT. Zoo is also used to gain higher ranks with more tries in combat mode, okay? So basically what that means is in order to play the zoo game, you need three NFTs and you have to battle other people's NFTs and the higher the score you get, the better for, I'll tell you in a second here, but in order to have more attempts, so you get three tries a day for free, but then after that, it costs you one zoo and then you multiply one zoo times two up to 32 zoo for every extra try. So the first try is going to cost you one, the, first, the second try is going to cost you two, the third try is going to cost you four all the way up to 32, then it caps out and you can play as much as you want for 32 zoo. And the reason why you would do that is because of a few different reasons. So first off, in those combat modes, so after each combat with the zoo, the zoo is burned upon the later the latter function. And then keys can be bought or farmed to open NFT chests. So this is important for, for why the combat is, is going to be very profitable for some people that get a lot of chances. Because you use the keys to get zoo NFTs, right? But you can also get key rewards for participating in combat mode. Therefore, the ecosystem can mint unlimited NFTs and zoo tokens, okay? So in order for zoo to succeed on the most profitable level, level for early investors and future investors, they must burn more zoo than they reward in mining zoo and then is rewarded with keys. So basically what I'm trying to say here, guys, is that for Zoo to be profitable in the future, number one, since they're giving you passive income for having their NFTs, this is basically being minted in the form of Zoo token, but as more supply of Zoo token gets minted, the price of Zoo will continue to fall. So in order for them to be profitable, they need to basically make enough money to burn enough zoo and buy it back to continually a positive buy pressure against the negative buy pressure when they release supply onto the market through passive income in order for this kind of project to succeed. It's very different than my DeFi pet. It's very different than Crypto Blades, but we have seen these. Another one that's similar is Mobox. And what they're going to need to do is they're going to need to create enough revenue in their ecosystem to continually buy back and burn enough zoo for this token to hold value. Otherwise, the NFTs, it's worse than holding, I don't know, just US dollar. 
because if if the zoo token is going to continually depreciate in value because more supply is getting dumped on the market and the mining rate will continue to depreciate because unlimited nfts can be minted their only chance of success is to make enough money and revenue from games and other types of uh, features or you know developments that they're actually able to buy back zoo and burn it with the extra proceeds so that way there's a positive buyer pressure and this token will continue to appreciate they don't need to match zoo token with the you know the nft value because it's totally unrelated it's not like my d5 pet where it costs three zoo to buy one nft it's different okay so i want to put it on the radar for that reason and i think there was more this will make zoo token hold its value and give nft investors a sound investment that can appreciate in portfolio value and active cash flow over time. Because remember guys, not only does your portfolio value increase when you buy a NFT and it goes up in value because you can always sell it, but also you're making cash flows on top of that NFT. So that's like what Zoo is doing. You're making cash flows on top of it. So you need to do research on Zoo to make sure if it's going to appreciate or depreciate over time and if they have plans to make the token appreciate or depreciate. So versus Axie Infinity and MyDefi Pet, they're similar. They allow you to mint NFTs for their own token. However, there is not staking of the NFTs. So Zoo, you have to stake your NFT to earn uh, Zoo token. But where MyDefi Pet hasn't made this feature yet, you're not really doing anything to earn any extra value with your NFTs yet. What they need to do is something similar to Axie Infinity where you're able to start battling and playing in a campaign or do bosses or raids and things like that to earn NFTs, to earn in-game currency that can be transitioned into fiat. And that's a whole different model than something like Zoo. Because number one, your assets on, on Zoo are not really tied to the Zoo token. Okay, they're more tied to the ecosystem's ability to be profitable enough to bring up the zoo token's value. So that way, my hash rate and the zoo token don't completely fall against your NFT's value. Whereas my DeFi Pet and Axie Infinity, your NFTs are only worth as much as they are rare and only worth as much as the tokens, which is DPET and AXS, are worth at the current time, as long as they don't change the amount of DPET or AXS needed to mint or buy the NFT. So Axie Infinity and my DeFi pet are similar. They allow you to mint NFTs for their token. However, there's not staking of the NFTs for more tokens um, dictated by the NFT traits and rarity. In other words, you don't earn more DeFi pet for having a level 13 winged popper over a level 12 winged popper, which is one of the dragons in my DeFi pet. Hopefully there will be a way to earn DPET with staking dragons down the road or lending them for battles and for other people if you can stake your NFTs to stake. This means that the value of a dragon NFT is related closer to the value of DPET. A dragon's traits must become more rare in the future for the value to go up, meaning for a dragon or pet to become more valuable over time, we need to see the, the rare dragons harder to mint. So for in order for one of your NFTs on Axie Infinity or on my DeFi pet to become more rare over time, then minting the same dragon you minted needs to be harder over time. 
whether that means that it costs you three D-pet and D-pet goes to the moon, it's now $100 per D-pet, and now you have to pay 300 bucks just to mint one dragon, and you have the same likeliness to get the rarity and the um, traits as the dragon that you minted. Uh, so let's say that you, uh, to mint a dragon with all traits that's extremely rare, it's like a 2% shot, but you have to pay three D-pet. Then for for this project to really succeed, I think one principle that they need to do is they need to just make that 2% fixed and never change, okay? And the reason why is this gives the investors safety over their rarer investments because as the price increases, which they're really betting on, then it will be harder to mint a rare dragon because it's still a 2% chance, but now it costs $300 instead of $9. Right? See what I'm saying? Versus something like a Crypto Blades. Now, Crypto Blades, I'm going to lay out why I'm worried about or worried for them, I guess, in this next blurb. So basically, Crypto Blades awards players with skill token for winning battles. For Crypto Blades to succeed, they must make their costs and earnings more stable. You can't be half pregnant. And Crypto Blades has only a few options the way I view it. Number one. So before I begin that, let me just explain. So like, They've changed up the rates before on how much it costs to mint a character and how much it costs to mint a weapon, okay? This really can hurt a brand in DeFi, in my opinion. And I think they've been navigating it well, but I think they need to be very careful and thoughtful because this is no longer just a game. A lot of the people that are involved are investors. And I know that there's some people that subscribe to me that are only in it for the game, but like, the reason why people play the NFT games or blockchain games, even though that they're probably less quality and just, you know, not as advanced as normal games are today is because they want to make some money. So even if you say that you're a gamer, I'm sure if you're in DeFi or blockchain, you would like to make some money. So therefore, we need to look at this also as an investment the same way that it's important for the game to work and be successful and be fun and have people want to play it. It also needs to be valuable for people to play over time no matter where they start or what they start with. So number one, they can make a weapon $5 to mint, for example, and adjust the amount of their native skill token accordingly. Another example, they can make a character $20 to mint and adjust the amount of skill accordingly. So they really have a couple of options. So the second option is they can make their NFTs come at a set price of skill. 0.4 skill for a character always, no matter what the price of skill, or another example is 0.06 skill always for a weapon. So what I'm trying to say here is they have a couple options. Number one, they can do what my DeFi pet in the Axie does, which is say, okay, it's always gonna be 0.4 skill for a character and 0.06 skill for a weapon. And as the price of skill goes up, then it just costs more to make characters and weapons. Or they can do differently. They can say, you know what? We're gonna make it always $5 to mint a weapon and $20 to mint a character. Okay. And then whatever $20 of skill is, that's what we're going to charge. Whatever $5 of skill is, that's what we're going to charge. So they can either make it dependent on their asset or they can make it dependent on US dollar rate that they think is fair. Now this is important. They need to do one of these two things in my opinion. Why? Why can't they just arbitrarily change the price of skill that it costs to, to mint characters or weapons? Well, I'll explain in a second. 
The reason why this is important is this would set a floor of value, making NFT characters and weapon on the marketplace either hold an initial cost of entry at $20 a character or 0.4 skill a character. For what we've seen, this will drive a healthy market as investors will know what the platform charges versus what other players are selling NFTs for versus the cash flows of said NFTs. So what you need to know as an investor of an NFT is number one, how much does it cost to mint an NFT if you still can, if you can mint unlimited NFTs, right? Like Crypto Blades, you can mint unlimited swords, unlimited characters, okay? So how much does it cost from the platform to mint? Number two, how much does it cost to buy the same NFT in the marketplace? Is it cheaper because maybe you have a 40% chance of getting common and then it breaks down from there to 20% uncommon, 10% rare, you know, 5% ultra rare, and then, you know, 5% epic or something of that nature. Because if that's the case, then this is why this is important for Crypto Blades. Think about it. Because basically with Crypto Blades, okay, if you have a floor against the initial cost of entry for everybody, whether it's going to be in skill and as the price of skill goes up, too bad, it just costs more to play the game. Or whether it's going to be in US dollar, okay, fine, everyone gets a fair shake, five bucks per weapon, $20 per, per um, uh, character. Well, then at least you know that, okay, the market says that this NFT is worth $30. I can mint it potentially for 20, but it's more risky to mint it than buy it. So I'm just going to buy it from the marketplace. This drives demand back into the ecosystem. Number two example, okay, the marketplace says it's worth $10 because it's a common at 40% chance. You know what? Instead of rolling the dice, I might just buy this common, right? Also drives money back in the marketplace or more preferably says, okay, this is less valuable than the potential of getting the other 60%, which is rare, okay? Which is going to be rarer than a common. So I'm going to roll the dice and see if I can maybe make some money on this. So you can compare it against that. Number two, you know what your cost of entry is from the platform. You know what it compares to to the marketplace. And now you can compare that against your cash flows. Because with Crypto Blades, it's another game where you can play to earn. So you can win battles to earn skill token. So I'm gonna talk about that here. So basically, uh, from what we've seen, this will drive a healthy market as investors will know what platforms charge versus what other players are selling NFTs for versus the cash flows of said NFTs. With blockchain gaming, it is my intuition that healthy markets will be important for the ecosystems of these games as it brings investing into gaming. If the platform can arbitrarily change the cost of entry, making it easier for more users to get in, this can cause a panic for current investors of the platform. Let me put it this way. So think about Supreme. Is Supreme the clothing brand successful because they make so much clothes that every person in the world could have or afford their sweatshirts? Or are they successful because they make only a thousand sweatshirts and people know they can buy it? Not only as fashion, but also as an asset because there's such high demand and low supply that they could flip the sweatshirt even if it's used in the future. They make money because they have a limited supply of sweatshirts. It's now a collectible, it's a collectible, guys. So you have a few options when you're running a crypto game. 
But what you need to do is you need to inherently make the value of your NFTs. You know, what's the point of playing a game? All this, all these gamers say, right? They say, oh yeah, but now you can own your own sword. Now you can own the assets in the game. What's the point though if the asset is ha, has terrible fundamentals of an asset? What's the point if the game makers can arbitrarily change the cost of minting that asset, making it cheaper and cheaper over time? That's not an asset. That's deflationary. That's or that's not deflationary. Excuse me. That's inflationary. That means that it's like the U.S. dollar. Okay, that's not an asset. That's something that's going to decrease in value the more you hold it. That means you need to sell it quick. That means that there's going to be a lot of supply dumping onto the market, which is going to further drive down the supply, which happened. Guys, look what happened. When we were at the top of Crypto Blades, this literally happened. Okay, you just had so much supply of people dumping the assets because once, I mean, Crypto Blades at $100 didn't just say, okay, like it was, it was before they got to a hundred dollars that they were like, "Hey, listen, guys, we're gonna make it cheaper to buy weapons. We're gonna make it cheaper to buy characters." All of a sudden, and now look what happens. Once you do that, once you make it your assets, your NFTs, the NFTs that other people hold on the platform, just less expensive to mint. I mean, you're really screwing over your your current NFT holders, don't you think? Because if you're making them less valuable to mint, then all of a sudden the value of an NFT just goes drastically down. So that's the point I'm trying to make. Now, can they dig themselves out of this hole? Absolutely, absolutely. So next up, we have something like a Bunny Park. Bunny Park runs on BP, okay? Costs are associated on all Bunny Park NFTs with the price of Bunny Park token, which is called BP, and runs on the park's ability to burn enough BP, similar to the zoo, to not make the inflation of BP drive down the value of NFTs. So it relies in part on the ecosystem's ability to bring in revenue to make those burns a reality. I think burns are a great way for businesses to run on the blockchain because it's a test of how valuable is your project. Is your valuable, is your pro, like the projects I think that are gonna be, you know, billion dollar valuations like just insane valuations are projects that can show on the blockchain that they're literally burning more of their own supply than they're minting, especially if they're mining tokens or, or if they're giving you passive income in the form of mining, right? If they're able to burn a hundred, uh, let's say that every day a project which tokens are worth, I don't know, a thousand bucks, let's say, they have a total supply of 100,000 so they have a pretty high market cap. Let's say that they're able to burn 100 tokens every day. And let's say they're only minting 50. To me, that project should have an incredibly high market cap based on those fundamentals because it means that they're, they're actually burning more of the supply than they're able to mint while being able to still mint supply. This is going to increase the value of their token or at least put a positive buy pressure on it. Because the ecosystems now is not only making money, but using that money to buy the token, creating a positive buy pressure. And on top of that, it's also just aiding to the, you know, general, I guess, deflation of the token. Because you're literally taking supply out of circulation. So... I mean, there's a couple ways to do that, but if you're a mining token and you're able to accomplish that, I think that's the ultimate. If you find a project like that, let me know. 
And if you can transparently show, if you're a project listing, that you're burning more supply than you're actually minting, then and you sell NFTs, let me know. Especially if those NFTs can get yield from the mining, because that's an incredible formula for success. I don't think it's easy to do. I think that there's market conditions that can really screw up a project that's able to do that one week and not able to do that another week. And I think we're still relatively early, so not all options have been explored or exploited to allow a project to make that much revenue and burn their supply and watch all their assets go up in value over time. I think that's how you do it the right way, though. And I think projects are still early. They're still young. They're still learning. They're still testing, more importantly. And all these guys, all these guys, especially Crypto Blade, like think about Crypto Blades when they hit $100 and they had hundreds of people saying, make the cost lower, make the cost lower. I mean, they might not even think about it. They might not even think about the people in their telegram saying, make the cost lower, what that would do to their project long term. They might say, oh, well, we got to appease these new people. We got to make more adoption. But I think the guys at CryptoBlade did think about it. I just think that they need to, to make a statement and make sure that they're clear on that. And then we need to test it if they've already made a statement for a year, two years to gain my full trust back, I guess, from feeling like they can do whatever they want to the tokenomics, which I'm not saying is I might still invest in this, but I might invest in it with that point, right? So if you invest in something with more knowledge, then you might be able to say, okay, well, since they're able to manipulate the price of the assets by basically selling them to people who are minting those assets, number one, are they taking profit from the minting? So if it cost me, you know, 20 bucks to buy a character and they change it to $10 to buy a character, number one, where is that $10 going? Is it going to burning the tokens? Number two, do I want to choose a different project that doesn't manipulate their costs? Because I, I know what to expect. I know my NFTs will go up in value, or at least they haven't changed the cost and they say that they won't. That's a firm principle. I might want to invest in a different project. I might want to play a different game. And we're early, so more gains will come from this, okay? So CryptoBlades had an enormous run. They built an incredible brand. So many people are used to them now. They're the number one game on Binance Smart Chain by users still, I believe, at least on the monthly. And they just have a huge opportunity right now. I'd hate to see them waste it, and I hope they don't. But they need to get their you know, stuff together and make sure that everybody knows, not just the people in the Telegram or Discord, but where they stand on how this is going to work and is the value prop not going to be focused on the value or passive income for investors? Is it going to be focusing on the game? Because that's okay too if you're going to go purebred, but just don't expect the huge explosiveness. Don't expect the incredible demand and whales to come in with money and boosting the price, right? Or at least that's what I tell myself. So those are some thoughts on NFT gaming. You know, I, I basically did this video because I felt like a lot of people are finding projects and sending them to me and I'm looking at them guys and I'm saying, this is just a copy of Yushi. This is just a copy of Mobox, like Zoo. This is just a copy of, you know, Axie Infinity. And what I wanted to get to was each of these games runs on a completely set, uh, a completely different set of gamification, tokenomics and value propositions. So by understanding each value prop, I think you can make a better, you know, digested decision on which type of NFTs you want to invest in and which type of tokens you want to invest in. 
um, if you don't know how the NFTs will grow in value or how the project will succeed or fail, because I'm not saying projects are successful or fails, failures in these writings, I'm only stating my belief on how each type of project needs, like what's the formula for them to succeed, right? Is it making a set cost because you already have the brand and you already have the revenue coming into the ecosystem and you just need to make it so that way people know what they're getting into? Or is it contemplating making lower cost NFTs for people to continuously have to catch up on, right? I've seen talks about that. Instead of making characters go from $20 to $5, maybe you just say, okay, character, strong original characters, which is going to increase the value, keep the supreme lifestyle going, right? Like the supreme example. Uh, do you just say, okay, characters are, we're also going to sell subpar characters for $5, right, which will make it increasingly harder as the value of skill goes up, if they're selling in the form of skill, or if they're selling in the form of dollars, which might be a smarter way to do it, if you're going to be in, in um, if you're going to be making new NFTs at lower values, then think about, think about this, if those NFTs are going to go basically for $5, that you can mint on the platform, then number one, now the platform, again, has an unlimited supply of NFTs they can mint. Each one's floor is $5. And what's the rarity? Do you have a chance of getting the $20 NFT when you place a $5? Maybe it's 2% to get the $20 NFT, but you don't have a chance to get like an epic $20 NFT, right? So can you make cheaper costs of entries? Because the, the reason why you would do the $20 instead of relating it to skill token is really just to make a, a floor for average investors to be able to get in. And then you really increase the passive income per level. So as you level up the NFT, maybe you're making it increasingly hard to level up the NFT. And then you can create more passive income for players who are actively on the game. I think that's the best strategy moving forward, probably for something like a Crypto Blades where whatever the price of skill is doesn't matter because they'll just adjust the skill to a set price. It's always going to be $20 to mint a character. It's always going to be $5 to mint a character. It's always going to be $3 to mint a weapon. Whatever it is, if skill's at $10, then yeah, it's going to be 0.3 skill to mint a weapon. If skill's at you know $30, then it's going to be 0.1 skill to mint a weapon, right? So relating it to US dollars. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's pretty much it for this one. I do have a lot of cool new projects that I'm excited to show you guys, but I just wanted to get this video out there because a lot of people I feel like haven't digested that each of these projects are running on a completely type different type of NFT infrastructure, if you will. So even if you have considered this, maybe this helps bring a few different points to the forefront and give you more of a professional view on how you're gonna do your NFT investing. Now, this is not financial advice. Please subscribe to the channel. This is Jay Crypto. Once again, the goal is to get to 10,000 subscribers by September. I think this is the video to do it. Maybe it is. And uh, I'm gonna keep making more videos. Um, as always, thanks so much for watching. This is Jay Crypto. I'm out.